All right, we're good. Emily Sebaum, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what's going on? Sunday morning down down under. Sunday morning. I'm a bit sore because I did my first session back with the squad yesterday and I did 5K mm. and, yeah, I'm a bit sore from that. I was going to say, like, what's the story? Are you going to make a decision here? It sounds like you have. <laughs> I basically said to myself that I want to take this year out really like mm. a fair bit of this year out anyway and have a really good break because it's something that I've not really done much with and I really just want a chance to work out if my mind's still in it I know my body's still in it but it's all about I think you can't do anything unless your mind's in it and you're 100% and I just don't want to be one of those athletes that comes back and is not really into it mm. there's nothing worse than like being half into it and not really giving it your all okay all right well listen i'm going to be completely honest with you i text bowley about 20 minutes ago and i said is she in this or is she out of it what's the story and he basically said the same thing he said look it's up to her but you can't be half in half out you got to be all in and um yeah. and we'll see what happens but i'm glad you said that it's the only reason why i'm telling you that is because bowley said <laughs> the same thing all right yeah we're on the same page <laughs> okay good good i'm glad um because some sometimes athletes get a little bit delusional you know you have some success and you've had longevity and you think to yourself oh it's it's easy i'll just keep cruising along and things yeah. will just fall into place and you know, I can get on my, my, with my life. I've got a, I've got a, you know, this is going on and that's going on. I'll do a little bit of that and a little bit of that. And, and it just doesn't work out and you end up hanging on too long or, you know, you end up having some tragic failure and, and it doesn't seem, it seems like you're more realistic with this. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been swimming for so long. I've been on the team since I was 14. So I know how hard it is. I know how much I'm going to have to give up and, you know, I'm, I'm almost, 30 now so it's mm. crazy to think that I'm a full adult and I can make adult <laughs> decisions and it's you know there's lots of things that come into play now it's you know it's not just so much about giving up some school and some study it's you know now it's like what do I see myself doing for the rest of my life like obviously swimming can't be everything that I do but is it going to be what I continue to do or am I going to try my hands at something else? Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit because you've obviously had to give up certain things and, and even in your daily life, there are probably, you know, exceptions you have to make where you're like, you know, I, I just can't, I can't do this right now. Or I've got to, I got to get to bed or I've got to eat this certain food. I've got to, you know, you got to be a lot stricter than the average person. And, and you know, once you get older, you start to create a new friend group. You know, you want to get a, you want to get away from the pool a little bit. You want to have people outside of the pool as well, and they they just don't see it the way you see it. So those adjustments get more and more difficult as you get older, right? Yeah, they do. I mean, I'm actually planning my first holiday that doesn't relate around swimming at all, <laughs> and I'm going snowboarding and i've never been snowboarding because every time i've always wanted to go to the snow or do something crazy everyone's like oh you're gonna break a leg you can't break a leg like you're swimming so mm -hmm. now i'm just i'm planning that trip and i'm like that's exciting because i've never had that opportunity to be able to do that before and it's something that you don't really think about as a as a swimmer you don't you everyone thinks oh you travel all the time you see all these amazing places but you kind of see buses, hotels, and pools. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. Tons of that, tons of that. I mean, I, I got to the point at 31, just myself personally, where I swam at the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne in 2006, and I wasn't injured and I wasn't swimming badly. I still, I still medaled, you know, I did really well, but at 31, I was just like, you know, I was on the team with, um, you know, 16 year old girls and some 18 year old boys. And it's like, you know, I just don't relate anymore kind of thing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with any type of performance problems. It was just like, it just didn't fit into my life anymore. Where I was like, this, this is a little silly that I have to live by their rules and we're going away for a month on end. And it's like, can't see my family and friends. It's like, it just got a little too much. So has that, I guess there's been some of that in your life then. Yeah. I, I think for me, being one of the youngest people to be on the team and then mm. kind of growing up in the team. And now mm. I feel so much older than what I am when I go on the team. I feel like mm. such a mum when I go on the team and mm -hmm. I just, yeah, mm -hmm. it's so different. It's a totally different vibe. And I don't think people understand that because you see all these people all the time, but it doesn't, yeah, it just changes yep. when you're on a team. Like you don't want to be that old person that's mm -hmm. like hanging on for dear life. Yeah, right, right. Did did the did the coaches grow with you? You know, like I know Rowan Taylor's in, he's an exceptional head coach now. And um, you know, did they allow you to be more of an adult and kind of give you some I don't know what you what you call it, you know, just um, you know, some some passes where it's like, you know, you can do this, but the rest of the team has to do that kind of thing. Or is it or is it like we're we're staying to this strict schedule, everybody's on this and there's no, you know, waving from that? uh i think when i worked with matt brown it was very much like this is what you do mm -hmm. um, there's no exceptions to that and i worked with him up until i was about 24 and then after that i went to another program where i had a little bit more freedom and then you know i've obviously been with bowling now for a few years and i've had a really good chance to actually work out what things work for me better mm -hmm. and right. it might have been adding something else into my program that we weren't doing down there or it might have been you know he let me do a session here in Brisbane because I live in Brisbane and I drive Brisbane to the Gold Coast to, to train so it's about an hour drive for me and then you know he lets me do a Friday session here so I can come home you know and and fully rest and have a good sleep and then wake up and then go to my session and he has the trust in me that I'm going to do what he set out for me to do and you know, it makes it easy when I'm a very much, uh, I like to be told what to do and I don't mm. like to bury that. Mm. I like to just be told this is what you need to do and this is going to get you to the best possible place. And mm -hmm. I just do exactly what is written, if not better, because I hate leaving things up to myself. I'd rather have someone else tell me this is what you need to do and I'm just going to go, yep, 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 and tick all the boxes because that works best for me. I just really enjoy that. And I love the challenge that Bowley gives me at times. Like he'll give me times to do and I'll go in my head. I'll go, yep, that sounds good. And I'll try right. and better what he's given me. Right. Hang on. I got to apologize because for a split second, I wasn't fully listening to exactly what you said or I was, but I, I was, was like, I didn't, I didn't expect it. I think it took me by surprise. Are you living in Brisbane and you are training on the Gold Coast? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm like, I, all right, I wasn't expecting that. So talk to me, talk to me about this. Like what is happening? Okay. So my weeks are busy. Uh, 
I do stay on the Gold Coast on Monday and Tuesday nights because we have doubles. So, so where do you I'll, stay? So I was renting a room from one of the boys that I trained with. Okay. Or I would drive on Monday morning. I would get up. I would drive down to the Gold Coast, train mm. in the morning, go back to his place, you know, make food, sleep the night, uh, wake up, train again. Mm. Uh, Tuesday was double. So do two sessions, then stay back at his place on Tuesday night, then Wednesday train, uh, do gym, and then drive back to Brisbane. And then Thursday, I would do the drive down. So drive down in the morning, train in the morning, train in the afternoon, drive back to Brisbane on Thursday night, then train uh, Friday here in Brisbane, and then Saturday, just do the drive down and back. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, okay, so that's where I was confused. Now, I was I was listening, but I was confused. Cause like when you said that, I was like, hang on a second. Because I know, I know Australia and maybe some of my audience, you know, a lot of my audience is American, so they don't fully understand the difference between brisbane and the gold coast but it's a I mean, it's a good hour drive it's not it's not a, a short hour it's a it's a good hour so um yeah. so that's that's a lot of back and forward then how, how come you never made the kind of the full commitment to say well i'm just going to get an apartment down in on the gold coast uh i don't know i just i loved my place in brisbane and mm -hmm. i really had worked really hard to set up as my home and to feel really comfortable here. And I have, which has been really good for me. And I wanted that kind of different environment. If I moved to the Gold Coast, my whole life would have just been swimming. Whereas when I come back to Brisbane, I get a chance to kind of have a breather and be like, okay, this is my space. This is my home. I can do what I, what I need to hear and really enjoy myself and relax. Okay, that that makes more sense. Now I'm not. I'm less confused now. I'm like, okay, I'm figuring it out. That's cool. All right. Well, so so it's worked. I mean, and then, I mean, it obviously worked for Tokyo. I mean, you you got yourself onto the team, and then and then onto the podium. So that was pretty outstanding. Um, one of the things I was looking at in your career that I just wanted to bring up real quick is that you know you you had success in London in the hundred backstroke, which was 2012. And then in Tokyo, 21, but it was supposed to be 20, but it was 21, you know, years later, you end up getting on the podium in the 200. That's kind of rare. Most swimmers kind of go down in distance. You seem to go up in distance. How, how did you have more success over time in the longer distance? I actually, I don't know how to answer that. I, I always, I think when I started swimming, I hated the 200. It was so long. It was so hard. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, this one I can actually play around with a bit more. Like I can go out hard. I can do an easier 100 in the middle and then really come back. And I found that really enjoying, to be honest. <laughs> it sounds weird, but I really enjoyed that I could play around with it, that I could have some fun with it. And look, honestly, I'm a, I'm a sucker for punishment and I just loved the training. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you, you must have embraced it at some point because most people don't think to themselves, I want to do more, you know, like, give me more training, give me, give me more endurance a bit, but you must have had it there. Um, it, it was always part of who you were, I guess. It just, maybe you didn't tap into it as much as you, you had now, but, um, you know, looking, looking at you too, as well, you, you were kind of a prodigy at 14, you know, like, and, and to have this longevity that you've had is pretty remarkable. I mean, you were really, really good at 14. Most of those athletes that, that are good like that kind of, you know, hit the international scene. And by the age of kind of 22, 23, they're gone completely. And that's, that hasn't been the case for you. So kind of what, what's been the secret to the longevity then? 
can I be really annoying and just grab my computer to charge yep. really quick? Yep, yep, do it. No so problem. Sorry. Cheers, everybody. Okay. It's all right. I've had this problem before. Oh, that's good. At least I'm not the first one. Okay, I'm in. Um, I don't know how to explain what I did at 14. Uh, I didn't swim that much at 14, weirdly. I, I think I was mm. only swimming maybe six sessions a week. And mm. as I got older, I kind of added a, a little bit more on each time. So swimming for me was really fresh. It was really fun. I'm super competitive. I have three brothers. So everything in my life has always been a race for anything. So mm. I loved swimming for that side of it. And I never really, uh, I never really bought into the training until mm. much later on in my career, because as I started winning more and, and getting so close, sometimes I was like, Oh, wow. Like this is good. This is what I want. So when it came to the training, it sold me on it being the fact that I wanted to do better each time, that I always wanted to get better. And I never really thought I was amazing at 14. I was just doing what I loved and it just came mm. so easy for me. Like I didn't really have to think about it at all. And every, a lot of questions I get asked is if you could go back to your 14 year old self or your 16 year old mm. self, what would you say to yourself? And I wish that I could take that Emily into the Emily that I am now because she was just so carefree about her swimming and it was such a passion. It was such a love. And at some point, you know, between that 15 years, it starts becoming your job mm -hmm. as an adult and you mm -hmm. need to pay bills. And, you know, if you don't perform, it's, it's a lot harder to do those everyday things. And my young self didn't think about that because I didn't have to worry about that. You know, I was living at home with my parents. They were looking after me. I was, you know, on the Australian team and I was still at school and yeah, at some point it just switches and it starts mm -hmm. being, you put more pressure on yourself. Whereas 14 year old me never put pressure on myself. Cause I was just like, they're like, Oh wow, this is amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I can understand that completely. But, um, you said something there about having three brothers, which is interests me as well. Apart from kind of the competitive nature of growing up with three brothers, what else do you think has helped you, you know, be the person you are today by having three brothers? <laughs> three brothers is interesting as <laughs> being the only girl. I remember I was seven uh, when my youngest brother was born and I have two older brothers mm -hmm. and my mom called me on the phone and she's, you know, I didn't know what she was going to have. She didn't tell me if it mm -hmm. was going to be a boy or a girl. And she rang me from the hospital and said, oh, you've got a little brother. And I think I just started crying immediately. <laughs> I was like, Please don't bring him home. I already have to. <laughs> and it's funny, but in saying that, they've made me really, really strong. Mm. Uh, everything's been a fight and nothing's come easy. And no one in my family is solely the focus. There's so many, like there's four children. So mm. it's been everyone has their own thing and it's not just all about one person in our family it's about all of us we kind of share everything and it's quite interesting now because my younger brother is actually boxing and he was boxing to make the commonwealth games team mm. 
about two weeks ago. He's really fresh into boxing. So it's interesting watching the differences in, I guess, his early career and my early career. Whereas I was so focused and so dedicated because, you know, my parents made me that way. They were like, come on, Emily, you've got to go to training, even if I wasn't feeling good or whatever mm -hmm. it might have been. They were really the driving force for me. And they set me up to have that driven into me automatically. And, you know, everyone always says, oh, a lot of people snooze their alarm or, you know, they lie in bed for ages. For me, it was always when my alarm goes off, the first sound of that, I wake up. Like mm. I get up. I never snoozed an alarm ever. I've, you know, barely missed a session because I've forgotten to set an alarm. It's just that it was so driven into me. And now that we're all older adults and he's, you know, doing this boxing career at, I think he's 23 now. So it's so interesting seeing him as an adult trying to make those right decisions. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of, well, do I go out and have some drinks and go out with mm. my friends? Cause that's what they're doing. And, you know, he's really got to, I don't know, he's really got to work out in his mind, you know, is that, what I need to do to get me to that next level. So right. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting growing up with brothers, you know, I was picked on a lot by my brothers. We all picked <laughs> on each other and we can definitely handle a lot of uh, banter. It's mm. quite funny when people come into our house and they see us argue and fight, but you know, next <laughs> everything's all good. <laughs> Did you grow up in Brisbane? I thought I thought I read somewhere where you were kind of born in Adelaide. Did your parents move? Yeah, born in Adelaide. So we moved to Brisbane when I was two. Oh, okay. So basically yeah. a Brizzy girl. A Brizzy girl, yeah, yeah. For those that on the outside looking in, you know, they, they don't understand the dominance of Queensland swimming. Um, it, it, I mean, can you explain it? Like, why is Queensland so dominant in swimming? Why are there so many... Australian champions coming out of Queensland, you think? I would honestly just say the weather. I think it's because of the weather here that we have. We can basically swim outdoors all year round. We do. Mm. I mean, our pools are outdoors. So swimming is just, it's so nice uh, to do early in the morning. Like we swim at five or six in the morning and it's just, it's already so nice and so hot. So it's nice to get in the water and to have a swim and, you know, growing up when I was two, when we came up here for the very first time, we'd come from Adelaide. So it's quite cool there mm. uh, most of the year. And here, it, you know, we had a pool in our backyard and my mum was teaching swimming. So she taught all of us how to swim in our backyard pool. So if she wasn't there, we could, you know, be, be fine. We could save ourselves. So it was just the thing that we did, you know, on weekends, it was playing in the pool. It mm -hmm. was playing when we got back from school or on a hot day whatever it might have been we were always like around the water and I think that's what people in Queensland they grow up with they grow up with that whether they're close to the beach or they've got their own pool yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense would you would you compare it you think to maybe Florida you've been to Florida before right no I haven't oh you I've haven't been to Florida I've, I've only been to like California <laughs> really that's it wow that's surprising yeah. gotta get you out more <laughs> I know. I certainly do. I won't say no to that. There's not enough meets in America. I don't know. The international meets, there's got to be more international. I think, you know, I'd love to push for more of those, but there seems to be a lot, lot more in Europe for, for Aussies. But um, 
Yeah. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. All right, listen, you've been a backstroke specialist for so many years. It would just be ridiculous for me not to kind of pick your brain. So I'm going to kind of go through some skills and I want you to kind of articulate maybe um, some things that you do well and maybe some growth areas for you, okay, or, or some areas where you feel you made improvements. So just talk to me about your backstroke start, for instance, right? What are the things that, that you focus on that people can learn from you from? Okay, I feel like I'm not very good on my start. I get killed on my start. And oh, I don't doing? know. If, okay. I don't know if it's old age now and I'm not <laughs> as I'm not as quick as what I used to be, but mm. for me it was all about uh kind of clearing the water but not being a, a giant up and down, mm -hmm. more of a kind of straight push out from the wall. So how do you how do you set yourself up on the wall then? I have my kicker at water level. Okay. So I have that on zero. So pretty much at water level. Okay. And my toes obviously have to be on the wall. Mm -hmm. And when I pull, uh, it's weird. I hold on to the sides, but then I have my thumb over the bar in the middle, just so my hands don't oh. slide down. I don't know if they would, but <laughs> I just do that. That's my thing. Okay. So I hold on to that. And then kind of when I think of pulling up, I kind of just think of squeezing my shoulder blades like down and back. Okay. And almost having like a flat back. Position. okay yeah now is your is your um are you are you kind of pulling to 90 degrees or are you pulling in closer and is your butt on the surface of the water or is it under the water my butt would just be like either on the surface or just below it and with my arms they would be like they wouldn't be like full closed there's still some room there because it's okay. all a matter of just going like that okay now when you throw back on the start I mean, how do you get the arch? Are you are you throwing your head back, or I mean, tell me, what are you doing to get to get the arch and get the feet up and over the water? It's head back and then hip push, like driving your hips to the surface. Okay, so you throw you throw your head and then drive your hips. Yeah, so it's like the weight of your head back, uh -huh. and then the hips coming up, like lets your feet go okay. over the top. If you don't right. push your hips up enough, then your feet kind of drag through the drag. water. Right, right. Yeah. What about your arms? You're, you're in this position. Are you throwing your arms around to the side or do you throw them straight back? How do, what do you do with them straight back? You throw them straight back. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Good. And we're learning here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Are> good. <laughs> um, I like to get technical. What about no. your underwaters? I mean, you're, you're obviously decent underwater and, and maybe you've worked on it a lot to try and get better. So what, what are you doing with your underwaters? Do I did a lot leading into Tokyo. So mm -hmm. my goal off every wall, apart from the start, was five dolphin kicks, mm -hmm. which for me like has not been what I normally focus on. Normally mm -hmm. I'm all about like coming up and swimming because that was where I made my ground. Right. Whereas in the last, probably in the last 10 years, underwater has just been this 
slow increase of getting better, getting stronger and people working it way more than what they used to. Mm-hmm. So for me, that has was my focus leading into Tokyo. And I did a lot of work where we did lots of things, whether it be wearing those socks and mm-hmm. kicking water with them, uh, doing like all these types of drills and skills. I think I did about half an hour uh twice a week doing underwater work where mm-hmm. it was you know whether it was we did a lot going side to side in the pool so about mm-hmm. 25 meters taking only one breath each wall every time you come up so mm-hmm. we did a lot of that and yeah i think i actually did it in tokyo for the, for like the very first time i hit five off every wall so i was mm-hmm. really happy with that and I've seen a lot of improvement with that. And even yesterday morning when I did my first session back with them, you know, it was starting it off then. Because if you can start it off when you're just coming back, it will be so much easier when you're in full training to be able right. to do it. Right, right. Yeah, you got to train it. Are you the type of person that keeps the upper body completely still? Or are you have you got some movement in the upper body? I've got a little bit of movement in the upper body and uh, but most of it i try to use core and legs okay so so you initiate kind of from the chest down then yeah yeah i do yeah okay and then how do you um how do you hold water you know like um i mean how do you get that rhythm i've got i've got giant feet which okay okay so the feet help and um I've got really good like ankle flexibility. Yeah, you do. Okay. Backstrokers have that freaky ankle flexibility. That's that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So when I kick, my ankles are so relaxed that mm. almost my my feet are like an extra kick on what my legs are doing right. because they're like a beat behind. So it's I almost like a, get, it's like whipping a towel almost, right? Yeah. 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 Almost okay. get more. So it's it's weird because I don't I don't even think about it when I do it and I can't feel it, but I can, and like when I watch, I do a lot of slow-mo videos Mm. of my swimming and it's interesting to see how much those, those feet really bend. Right, right. You're not thinking about it. They're just naturally happening, but do you do flexibility work on your ankles or they're just naturally flexible? Naturally, just like that. I did lots of gymnastics, uh, early on into my career I really loved that until I worked out that being 5'11 doesn't really work to be a gymnast Uh, so I gave up that dream but it gave me a lot of flexibility and really good movement in Mm. my body so Mm -hmm. I'm one of those lucky touch wood people that have never been injured from swimming at all Mm. my entire career I've never had anything you know the worst thing I've had is dislocating my knee riding my horse so mm-hmm. yeah swimming at all yeah it's always something out yeah that that's good though that that you haven't um well then talk to me about your 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 catch and your pull because backstroke catch and pull is hard to describe so i want i want to talk to an expert someone that's been doing yeah. it all their lives so like what are you thinking when you're when you're actually entering and and, and initiating the catch and then what are you actually doing with your pull? Okay. Uh, catch it. Like backstroke catch is my favorite thing because okay. I think 
that I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. I once uh, got told from someone after doing a training camp, I think, with the Australian team, that my backstroke is basically freestyle catch. Mm. So that's what I think about when I do my backstroke. So I keep my arm really close to my body mm-hmm. and I'm using my whole arm as like a paddle. So this stays really strong. And then are you pulls. are you thinking are you thinking like keeping the elbow in? Is that is that yeah, what you think? So it's like keeping the el- like my arm close to my body. So uh-huh. my elbow doesn't really go too far out from my body. Right. And it's all about like using this whole motion all the way through to my leg. Like I make sure that I really finish the stroke. So it's like a finish uh-huh. and then back up. Now, when you're when you're holding water, would you would you say that your fingertips are pointed towards the side of the pool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you just pull through. And then as you get closer to your thigh, you, you kind of you, you bring the water to your thigh and finish at your thigh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm again, it's one of those things that just comes naturally to me, but my hand is like a paddle, so it is strong. Mm. Like I don't I, I don't swim like that at all. I swim like this and I mm-hmm. really use as much force as I can when I do my arms. Is there anything in the dry land or the gym that you can do to strengthen that at all? Uh, yeah, we did a lot of med ball throwdowns. Uh-huh. So having the med ball in your hand up here and then rotating to uh-huh. do our catch and throwing the ball down as we do it, but keeping the ball, like your hand over the top of the ball. Right. So it's not like the ball's just dropping. You're actually using the power to push it to the ground. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what do you think the weight of that med ball might be? Uh, it would only be like two kilo, three kilo max. Okay. It's yeah. just keeping it light so you can feel that you're pushing it all the way down. Mm-hmm. Like you want to have that ball against your hand and using that power of your arms to really drive it to the ground. Right. Now, once you get to your thigh, what are you doing in your recovery? How, how are you exiting the water? And then what are you doing in the recovery? And then how are you entering? Are you, are you thumb kind of... Are you thumb exit and then that type of pinky enter kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as I grew up, we did a lot of drills where it was like, I don't know if you ever heard of it. You probably do a similar thing. It's called stop, check and change. So we used to do like, you had to come up, you had to stop, do the mm-hmm. stop sign, and then you had to have your pinky in first and then you'd change your arms. Right. Okay. So I just grew up doing that. And I think I just naturally do that. But it's definitely for me, it's always got to be like pinky in the water first. That's the only way I do it. And I rotate my hand quite quick to get that pull straight down. And I start that catch like right up when, when my hand enters the water, as soon as my pinky's in, it's a turn and then it's a pull all the way down. Mm. Wow. Okay. I mean, I guess you've spent a lot of time kind of analyzing that on video too, right? A lot of time we do a lot yeah. of, we do at least once a week where we're, we're watching film back and I mm. film myself a lot too, just so I can see it for myself. Cause sometimes when you slow everything down, you see a lot more. And when you're just looking mm. at it yourself, you can actually see different things and then be like, Oh, okay. This is what they're talking to me about. Sometimes when you, when they tell you, it's like, Oh, okay. Like, Yeah no worries. And then when you see it yourself, you're like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Right, Sometimes yep. I need to see it myself and right. to work it out. And then I can be like, okay, that's it. 
Right, right. Speed, speed in the recovery is obviously important in, in backstroke too. I mean, manipulation of the speed. So obviously in your, in your 100, your tempo is going to be higher. But are you, are you thinking about speed in your recovery like from exit to, to entry point? Like, are you thinking about that speed? The only thing I really think about when I'm swimming is the pull and, and the strength that I'm pulling. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm constantly thinking about each stroke and making sure the underwater part is right because mm. the, the top part is whatever. It's, it's not really that important as this part is. You, the only way you're moving forward is, is the underwater part. So you're not, you're not necessarily thinking about s- speed and throwing the hand back as fast as you can then? No. Mm. No, I'm thinking about the, the water that I'm pulling. I'm constantly thinking about the water that I'm pulling and feeling it with my hands. How do you manipulate your tempo then uh, in the difference between the 100 and the 200? How, how do you manipulate that? I think I do a really good job in the 200 because I play around with my tempo a lot in the 200. I go out and I just, the the only thing that I'm thinking on the first 50 is, is using my easy speed that I have and you know, is easy speed generated for you from the tempo of your upper body or the lower body or are you thinking easy speed is a combination of the two it's more i always think upper body for me because right. my legs are really strong i'm i'm quite a good kicker mm. so i never worry too much about my legs mm. and all i think about kind of in the middle is is saving my legs a little bit so mm-hmm. i kind of let my legs relax right. and i and pull more with my arms because mm-hmm. uh, my legs die before my arms will die. Right. So right. I save my legs for as long as I can. And then that way, then I can change my tempo for that last 50 where I tend to really kind of explode. I just let everything out of the tank. So for me, I'm like working into that last 50. I kind of try and start at the last, the, the last 15 of the third 50. So that way I can hit a good turn, push off the wall. And then I just say to myself, okay, this is it. Just go for it. And I'm just like, all I feel is just like strong, 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 pull, pull, pull. That's all I'm thinking. Mm. So when you're building a race, are you, are you building by bringing the legs in or are you starting to just pull stronger? You know, you're obviously pulling, but are you just putting more emphasis on the pull? I'm putting more emphasis on the pull mm. and on that last 50, I'm like, okay, use all the legs that you've got left. So I'm kind of like come off that wall really powerful with the five kicks. Mm-hmm. Then I come up and it's my arms pulling, but it's a stronger leg kick too. Now, when you're kicking, are you keeping your kick tight in a small box? Like are you, are you trying to bring it on like a, like a freestyle kick when you bring it on, like it's a six beat Obviously, it's small and fast. Is it similar in backstroke? For me, it's it's really small, quick kicks rather mm-hmm. than big kicks that you see right. in the freestyle. Sometimes you get like lots of splashing with a freestyle kicker when they mm-hmm. really turn on the jet, the jets, as we mm-hmm. call it. But for a backstroke, I think of it as you know making those kicks really small but really quick. Right. Right. Now, is there a breathing pattern in backstroke? I've heard some people talk about it, others not. Is there one for you? Someone asked me that the other day, uh, like a 
like a year ago and I was like, I have no idea. And then <laughs> I did it and I was I breathe on I breathe out on one arm and in on the other. See, I heard that the other day too. Yeah. Someone else I told me that. I, did that. I didn't know I did that until yep. someone asked me and I was like, oh, I don't even know. And then I tried it and I was yep. like, oh. Yeah, I can't remember who told me that. Was it Ryan Murphy or somebody? It's like some freak backstroker told me that the other day. Like they yeah. breathe, they have a breathing pattern as well. And I was like, okay, all right, that's interesting. I mean, who would have thought, right? Because you can just <laughs> do it every time. But obviously, just because you do other strokes, mm. you kind of get into a pattern. And then when you just go on your back, you just kind of repeat that pattern. Yeah, I guess so. But but you didn't even know you were doing it. It was just happening naturally. Doing it, yeah. That's freaky. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Talk to me about head position because a lot of people get this wrong in backstroke. What is, what is good head position? I think good head position like body position is so important. And I say this because I do a lot of coaching as well. And floating is so important. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know how to float. Mm -hmm. And as a good backstroker, floating is like your go-to because you need that great position on the water. You want that body kind of half in, half out of the water, if that makes sense. So you want everything to be in one line if your head is slightly back you're creating more drag by dragging your head in the water so you want mm -hmm. to create drag for your body so you want that little bubble of your body so you don't want your head to be further down than the rest of your body you don't want it to be further up because then you're just creating drag from your head so it's it's so interesting and it just i mean i've been swimming for so long so everything's like riding a bike for me but when I coach, when I'm telling people, you know, this is what you need to do, we always start with floating because it's the one thing that they don't understand. Yeah. In backstroke, I tell people to almost imagine like they're, they're, they're laying their head on a pillow. So the, kind of, the chin is in a little bit. They're just kind of laying back, but it's not, you know, you don't lay on a pillow like this, obviously. And, and you know, you're not, you're not cutting off your breathing, but just kind of laying back on a pillow. Is that, is that the right way to do it or not? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, watching kids now with Streamline, you can get so many different versions of Streamline. There's Streamline <laughs> where they'll sit their head in their arms like mm -hmm. this. Right. I just, it's so bad because they're just dragging their whole head. Like when I mm -hmm. learned Streamline, it was covering your ears. Mm. You know, you're creating this fine little bubble. But kids now, they do this and they sit their little head in there. And mm -hmm. then when they kick, they go to do kick, their arms are, dra are so far down in the water mm -hmm. and they don't realize that's slowing them down. I I kick all the time with 
obviously my hands are dry like this part of my hand will be dry in the water and I just sit my like it's so relaxing I just lie on the on the water and I I don't really think about it but you know this part is almost dry when I swim but oh yeah I like that people don't realize like that you know pushing people I don't know sometimes when people think about going fast it's mm. like an instant like you know we got to crunch up a little bit to really be really strong and powerful whereas I think stretching out and using your length is so strong. Mm. Some people talk about backstroke as kind of like a, a canoe kind of thing. Like you kind of roll your shoulders in. Do you do that or not? No, I, yeah. I, I mean, obviously I rotate a lot with my upper body, but I don't try and canoe yeah, because yeah. I, I use this, my pecs mm -hmm. when I swim. Like that's right. where my power is coming from is, right. is, here and through my back and through my lats so if i hunched up i wouldn't be able to get as much power with my stroke mm. yeah yeah that, that's interesting now talk to me about that rotation because in freestyle i'm, I'm more of a freestyle ex uh, expert i swam it for for years trying to study freestyle but for me i kind of locked the hips in to swim fast locked them in in a way that I got more rotation from my, my shoulders. Obviously, when I'm swimming freestyle, I'm kind of coming over the top of the, the water. I want to I want to get more rotation in the top, but I want to lock those hips in. Is that similar in backstroke where you get more rotation in, in your shoulders but lock the hip yeah. in a little bit? Yeah, so it's a lot of core and, like, cross-connection, so mm -hmm. from, like, shoulder to hip. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to my kids, I'm – I'm like, you can rotate your shoulders without rotating your hips. As soon as you start rotating your hips to the side, you then start kicking right. to the side. Right. Your legs will kind of follow what your hips are doing. So if you can keep those hips straight and kicking back, mm. then to the side, it's just so much faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. We're learning a lot here. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, all right. What about the turn then? Talk to me about your backstroke turn. Um, are you are you trying to do it in one motion where it's like you're going from your back to do you, do you anchor and then roll and then make that one motion into into your backstroke turn? Yeah. So it's 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 obviously the last arm is a strong arm, but you're mm -hmm. kind of coming around on that arm. So it's it's turning from a backstroke arm to like almost a half freestyle. Right. And then you've got that full freestyle into your boom off the wall. Right, so right. a lot for me was about having sensory on the wall. So mm -hmm. my feet could feel that there was something there. And then it was about, you know, quickly determining touching something on the wall to pushing off really quick. Because quickness to me is obviously something that mm. isn't as good as some others. So having something on the wall so I could immediately feel something mm. and push off, that was a big factor for me leading into Tokyo too. Because right. turns and starts and everything, you can, even if you're, you know, talking about point one here off, a, off every turn that you're doing, we're almost talking about half a second in the 200. And that's massive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's massive when you're talking about the Olympics. Mm. Mm. Do, you, do you push off straight or are you trying to angle down and then kind of kick your way out so naturally because i want my legs really high on the wall so i'd want my legs like as high as i can why and why do you want your high, legs as high as you can because then i found if 
what I was doing was I was too slow rotating my legs over mm-hmm. that as I was hitting the wall, I was hitting like down at the bottom where, I, where my mm. hand is. Right. And that would then cause my back to really arch because I got to push myself down. Mm-hmm. So if I, I found if I hit the wall high, then my body was naturally had that straightness mm. about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I was down here, I'm like curving my back to go back down because it's pushing me up. My body was going upwards instead of down. Mm-hmm. But right. If I hit high, then I could follow that natural curve and kind of curve up slowly instead mm-hmm. of trying to arch my back and push myself down and then go back up. Right. That makes sense. Okay. That's that's helpful. Now, what about the, the last thing here, the finish? A lot of people dive down into a finish and then kind of shoot at the wall or some people go kind of low on their last stroke and, and directly back. How do you do it? I try to think of a finish as, as this arm's coming up and I know the wall's there, I'm shooting myself back onto that wall. So it's okay. like, I want to keep this arm straight. I want to hit on a straight arm and I don't want to do like a bend in case I've got to like really wait for that wall. So if mm. I'm doing this stroke, I'm like straight on. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Have you ever had a situation where you felt like you, you mistimed that, like you could have been better at that, at that last run? Absolutely. I, a lot of the time, you know, especially when you're really hurting, Mm. it's like that wall is taking forever to get there and you just want to get there. So occasionally you'll just like you'll just be like oh my god i'm so close but i I can't do another stroke and you'll just really try to then create that big butterfly kick so a lot of people will kind of because now the rule is like something has to be out of the water when you touch and i think we always did that automatically before that rule came in but when that Mm. rule came in everyone had to second guess themselves so when i do that you know, if I'm really struggling, you've got to kind of do that upward kick to get those feet to kick out of the water just in case you're underwater because you never know. Yeah, you, you oh, don't so you're, know. So you actually do kind of like an upward dolphin. It's like, like an a... up, it's like an upward kick to get mm. onto that wall. So it's like almost like a, yeah, you're like throwing yourself back, but your legs are coming up. Do you ever continue like the, the fly kick into a flutter to get there or do you just dolphin to, to shoot? I've never thought about that. You've made an interesting point that I now want to try. <laughs> well, well, I tell people all the time, don't turn your legs off. If you're too far from the wall, keep the <laughs> legs running, you know? Why yeah. not? My legs die. That's my problem. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the turn it back is a bitch. Oh, it's like someone is in the grandstand is just like thrown a piano on me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I seize up. I got to tell you, I was a 200 backstroker up until about the age of 17. And then I, and then I got smart and I was like, this is stupid. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just flipping to the 50 freestyle, but um, I just got stronger. That's it. I was like, all right, I'm a scrawny little backstroker. I'm going to turn into a strong freestyle. So I just went to the gym for like a year and just pumped. I was like, I'm not doing backstroke, but um, <laughs> yeah, just get stronger. That's it. <laughs> Um, all right, let, let's flip it. I appreciate you you've been very technical there. So we've been going here for a little while, but, um, you obviously came out of the Olympics and went into kind of a, uh, uh, 
celebrity type uh what do they call those things reality show why why did you decide to do reality show uh i guess for me it was about the fact that i've been around for so long and people have so many misconceptions about me and what i do and mm. my personality and i really wanted a chance to show people something different than what they see like a two-minute interview after a race or just watching a race or watching some promo it's so different to who we are as people and i really wanted people to understand that they're there is another side to swimmers and athletes and they're not just this straight edge person. They have so many different areas of their life. That's so important too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the show is called I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. It's, I don't think they have it in America, but it's pretty popular in England and Australia. So it's kind of taken off. Um, were you, uh, I mean, were you fearful of it before you went in? Like, did you have kind of like a, an idea of like, all right, I'm going to say this, I'm going to do this. Like, or were you just like, you know what? I'm just going to be an open book. How, how'd you approach it? The only way I do things is, is being an open book. I not very good at secrets and lies and <laughs> whatever. So that doesn't work for me. So I went in there just being like, I'm going to be myself. I want everyone to see everything about me you know the funny parts the parts where i'm not so funny the parts where i'm sad whatever it might be uh i only joined up to the show sitting in quarantine after the olympics so it was mm. very quick turnaround i think i was only home 10 days before heading into the jungle so mm. i was nervous about it because obviously it was i didn't really have much time to think about anything and i just went in there just like whatever just have fun enjoy yourself just be you and you know people will get to know you more yeah there was kind of two major things that i that i saw came from that that you know you made some headlines on one of them was the the pay that you get you know swimmers pay and look listen i'm i'm an australian swimmer so i know all about it too you know the <laughs> the struggles that, that we go through that you go through um and the, and the little amount of money that we're paid um we we surprised that that and, and did anything come of that? Like, you know, you made some headlines based on talking about swimmers pay, but, um, you know, was there anything that actually eventuated from that? That chat was so interesting because I was having that chat with, uh, some other former athletes and they were telling me their pays and it was like, we know it here mm. in Australia, obviously AFL is massive, is huge. Also mm. NRL is huge. and swimmers just don't we don't get that much publicity because there's only a major meet once every year and apart from that people think that we don't swim all the time but we do we swim 24 7 so mm. i think people were shocked to know that uh because i think when people think about the, swim, uh, the swimmers and the olympics they think wow they're they're doing so well they're making so much money but mm. really we're doing it for the love of of swimming and the love that we have for the sport and we don't you know money is on the back burner for us you know we do other meets to make up that money whether it be world cups or isl now it's mm. just you know it's like a traveling circus you continue on because after the major meet that's when you kind of need to make that money yeah yeah so i mean so you don't think that that made any major indent in kind of the way swimmers are paid i mean it's basically it is what it is kind of thing 
I think it's just, it is what it is. And, uh, I mean, it's just hard here. We just, uh, we don't have many sponsors on the team. And it's so hard because there's so many other sports on all the time. And people want to throw their money at sports that are on TV all the time because they Mm. want that products out there the most. But we're just not out there. So it's hard. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people realize that your whole livelihood depends on you making the team each year. You know, like you, you get a, you get basically a contract to say, okay, I made the Australian team. I'm on, I'm going to the World Championships. I'm going to the Olympics. Or I'm going to the Commonwealth Games. You know, you qualify for the team, and then that gets you through the year. But there's a lot of pressure on succeeding at the trials, and you you seem to have done a really good job of that the past 15 years of figuring out how to get yourself on teams, but has there been a point for you where your back's been against the wall? Maybe you've been sick at the trials where it's like, shit, my whole, my whole livelihood depends on this. Like if I don't perform now, I'm not sitting out a year, you know, I'm, I, I can't afford it. Like, has there been a time for you? Because I know there was for me, especially where I got to the trials one year and I'm like, I, I gotta make this happen. Like I'm sick right now, but nobody gives a shit i gotta i gotta figure this out has that been that for you yeah there's really no second chances when it comes Mm -hmm. to swimming it comes to trials it's one two at that trials and there's Mm -hmm. no there's no other meet you can't just post a time it's Mm -hmm. really cutthroat and i think people are really shocked to know that they didn't realize that every year we're really pushing to make that team so there's no chances to slow down to have mm-hmm. a break yep. that's why i'm taking this opportunity now because i can actually do that and not have the pressure of making a team on my back because mm-hmm. you know you can't do anything half assed and making the team isn't easy at all anytime because there's always someone else that wants that spot yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Well, I mean, you're training with the Olympic champion now, Kaylee McEwen. You know, what What are you taking from that experience? I mean, I mean, you've only just started back, I guess, with her, but um, why have you put yourself in that position and, and what, are you, what are you taking from that right now? Well, it's hard because I've only done one session with her, but I love a challenge and I love being pushed. Mm-hmm. When she wasn't there, uh, it would be me racing boys because beating boys is like, I get so much energy from it. And I'd like <laughs> and walk away with this giant smile on my face being like, oh, I got you. But you know, working with her, I'm going to be pushed all the time to mm-hmm. really be better and it was interesting yesterday morning because it was the first chance that I had to actually train with her and it's gonna be hard because sometimes I'm not gonna be the 
be winning or get getting better times than her, but I've got to work out how I improve myself and try and, and get to that, that top spot, get to that wall first. Yeah. Have you had a chance to kind of figure out the why, like you've been to four Olympics. Why, why do you think you want to keep going? Because I love it. I'm just a sicko for passion. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I, I love getting hurt and I love, you know, being, having nothing left in my tank and just walking out and being like, I'm just done guys. I got nothing left. And, <laughs> you know, I just love that feeling and, I love the routine of it. I've had mm -hmm. this routine my entire life, which is like also a scary thing to give up that sometimes I won't have this routine and I won't, you know, have a set schedule of this is what I do on every day. And I got into a really good routine where I knew what I was doing every day. And, and I, and I, and I loved it. I loved going there. I loved working really hard. I loved Bolly just being like, you can do better or that was really good. And, we had this saying, he would say, uh, if we were doing really well, he would say uh, WC, which was world class. Mm. And I would, uh, I just would fight to hear that because I, I just, yeah, I love, I guess, being um, teacher's pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind being, someone telling me I'm, I'm world class, you know, that, that'd be a good feeling too. I could, I could see how I'd fight for that as well. But um, yeah. Well, I mean, what else was I going to say here in terms of um, what's left for you, though? I mean, you've you've done everything you could possibly do, haven't you? Like, where where do you still have goals? Like, what's the what's the end goal for you? I guess for me, I'm always thinking about PBs, always trying to improve, and I haven't improved on my London time that I did at the Olympics. Uh, in my hundred back and I've, I've been really, really close and mm. working with Bowley, I've gotten, you know, I've, it's been a, a slow stepping stone process, but mm -hmm. I'm finally feel like I'm in the right direction. And I feel like with this break too, it's given me a really good chance to, to rest my entire body, to rest my mind, to not have to think about anything, to not have pressure on me and really come back slowly and and work my way back to that and i don't have time restrictions around me i've you know i'm obviously taking this year out so it's like i don't have pressure of making the team or going to trials or all this racing i can really just go step by step i don't have to rush anything and i think for me obviously i missed the team in 2019 and then the olympics happened in 2021 instead of being 2020 and i was so focused on on 2020 because i wanted to show that i'm i'm you know that i'm not losing i guess who i am and and the swimmer that i was and i really needed that opportunity and then when that didn't happen it was it was very much of a a mind fuzz for me because it was like i had my mind set on that and then that didn't happen and i had to kind of retrain myself to be like, okay, I can keep going. It's all in here. I'm still that athlete. I've still worked hard for an extra year. I just get an extra bit of time to keep going, to fine tune, to get a little bit better. And that was, that was hard, but in the end of the day, it made me that better athlete. And I think when this time off too, it's just going to make me that little bit stronger and give me more of a drive. Hopefully when I come 
when I'm full into training, I've got that drive just because I've had that time to just really relax and enjoy myself and, and do mm. other things. Yeah. So do you, do you have sponsors right now? I actually don't have any sponsors right now. Okay. Well, come on. Let's get some. Let's get. Come on. Somebody <laughs> get out there. You know, we need some sponsors yeah. here. Hopefully. <laughs> so i guess 24 paris is is the ultimate goal so you you want to go to five olympics i'd imagine if i am coming back to swimming 100 percent, paris is my goal mm. i i always believe that you should finish on that that big cycle that right. you should do a couple of cycles and finish i don't mm. think i would come back and just swim for a year and be like oh it didn't work you know, I've got to really buy into what I'm doing and, and maybe, you know, the year before might not be as good, but that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, keep going up from that. So what, what would you do, you think, after swimming? I mean, what, what do you, where do you think you'd go? Uh, you know, swimming's done. Yeah. What's the next phase, you think? I won't lie. I want to go into TV. Mm, okay. I want to do... Uh, oh, Gian Rooney, huh? Yeah, a bit of that, a bit of Joe Griggs. I don't know if you mm. remember Joe Griggs. Yeah, I know Joe Griggs. Yeah, I love Joe Griggs. Yeah, so that's kind of where I would like to go. Like one day I want to be going to the Olympics and talking about these athletes and be like, you know, I know what they're going through. I've been through that. You know, it's so amazing to see them. Like, I mean, I love Joe and what she does and how good she is at her job. Like she just, you know, she has the passion and the love for what she's doing and I have that love too and i really want to be able to keep kind of being in the realm without being in the realm if that mm. makes sense actually i reached out to joe right, right around the olympic time and asked her if she'd do the podcast she said yes but she was super busy at the time now you've just reignited my thoughts again i gotta get back on joe griggs again yeah get back on joe get her yeah. on the show yeah yeah she's awesome i love joe um oh that's cool i, I like that i mean go, going into that realm and You've had some experience on TV now, so that's pretty cool. Well, that, that that's yeah. really good. Well, um, listen, I, I hope you take a run at, at Paris. You know, that's that's just me being selfish, but um, you know, you do you do what you need to do, and uh, you know, good luck. You got the best coach in the world, I think. Bowley Bowley's fantastic. You got an incredible training group there. You know, Emma McKeon's there, Cody Simpson's there. So, you, I mean, Mac Horton, you got you got an incredible group. So, you you couldn't ask for anything more in that sense, I guess. Yeah, it's a massive squad. I mean, seeing how much it's changed from when I was there to what it is now, it's it's so crazy. We've got this array of amazing athletes from Emma to Kaylee to, you know, Brendan Smith to, to Clyde Lewis to Mac Horton. Like, it's just like this squad is just a power squad. And I think we can really thrive off each other and really push each other and yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this squad develops and changes over leading into Paris. Obviously, how many of us can can get onto that team? Yeah, yeah, super cool. All right, well, listen, I appreciate this. Thanks for taking the hour and uh, spending time with us. And um, you know, got a lot of a uh, lot of lot of viewers in America, so they're going to get to know you even more. And I appreciate this. And look, I'm. I didn't know you as well as I do, I do now, you know, so um, I'm a fan. So uh, congratulations on an amazing career and hopefully it continues. Okay. Thank you. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Take care, Emily. Bye.